think a lot of the tough, tough times gave me a lot more resilience to not paying in mind to the negativity and just to keep going and like I can't change who I am. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, good morning, Tegan. Welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? Morning. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm really looking forward to this little little chat because I think there's going to be so much interesting stuff that I don't know and like I'm so excited to hear all about your journey and and how you became like an amazing is it an equi- equinist is that uh, like horse terminology question is the official term see that is why I'm excited for this conversation because I didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> so the first question that I ask absolutely every guest that comes on the podcast is how do you refer to your disability so I have quadriplegic cerebral palsy, which I've had all, all my life. Mm-hmm. And so you were born disabled, like like me. Yeah, yeah. So I was born, yeah, born disabled. Yeah, I don't know anything different. Yeah, that's that's just like me, and I always say that as well. That I I just don't know any different. I have I have like no idea what it would be like to live in like an able body. And like for me to even think about sometimes being in an able body is almost like disabling, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. Because I would I'd have no idea how to like navigate the world with two hands. Like I genuinely would have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't know where to start at all. And so with your... um with your disability how has this impacted your career and like the path that you went down well the good thing about being an equestrian is that there are quite a few disabled people in the sport Mm -hmm. they offer a para equestrian world Mm -hmm. which means that they basically adapted the sport to suit my needs yeah and I'm able to use equipment that is a bit easier for me to use and compete against people that are similar in disability to me Mm -hmm. so it's actually been quite a nice journey actually yeah and how did how did you get into um like equestrian sports so I originally got into it because I was quite young I was four or five years old when I started Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't a fan of doing physio or going to the gym or any stretching or things that we went to do. Yeah. So my physiotherapist recommended it for me and I enrolled in my local RDA, which mm-hmm. is providing for the, the disabled. And that's kind of how I got into it. And I just fell in love with the sport and never stopped, really. <laughs> and so... When it comes to like the sport and how much time and effort you put into it, I presume that you, because it's horses, you must you must put a lot of time and effort into building that relationship with the horses. Yeah, definitely. I think it depends on how far you want to go in your career. But yeah, someone like me who wants to be 
um, competing inter internationally. It takes a lot of work and a lot of training and gym work and yeah, it's a lot of work all around really. Yeah, and and with competing internationally, like I'm so I'm so intrigued by it because like I think people who who ride horses obviously have like such a love for the sport because it's not just about you because there's like another there's like another being involved and so what's the process like going abroad for these competitions well I have yet to go abroad because of Covid and like having a few years out I've kind of mm -hmm. had to take a step back and a lot slower than what I planned so yeah I've only competed around the UK but I know when going abroad is like a lot of planning because you not only have to get your staff there, but you have to get the horse there and kind of yeah. get a, a time ties to the new weather and time frame. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot different to competing in the U, UK. So yeah. And I bet it's quite fun competing in the UK because like I know that I will see a lot of people that I know there. So I bet it's quite similar for you that you must know quite a few people that you're competing against yeah that's really, really nice because in my area there's not many power riders that mm -hmm. are at my level then so yeah. when you go out competing it's like kind of a meetup for everyone and we all get to chat and laugh and kind of have a good time so it's really nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and and what was it like for you growing up with your disability I think I had quite a nice childhood. Mm -hmm. I think until probably my late teens, I never really thought I was much different than anyone else. Yeah. I knew I was, but the way that I, I was treated, I, I didn't feel much different or I was included in everything that I did. Even if I couldn't do it, they'd find a way for me to be involved. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was kind of like that until my late teenage years. And like, yeah, probably secondary school wasn't the best time. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't awful either. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. But I think, yeah, I think that was the, the first time where I really felt disabled then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with that, did like through hardship, I always think that there's always something positive to be learned, even though at the time it might feel really crappy. And through that time, do you think you learn a positive attribute about yourself? I think I did. I think a lot of the tough, tough times gave me a lot more resilience to kind of ignore or just not pay any mind to the negativity and just to keep going and like I can't change who I am so yeah I shouldn't do yeah, it I shouldn't let what people say about me affect my life yeah so sure. it kind of yeah I think it helped me to like mature as a person and yeah be more resilient and I think that's a great way of like like appreciating the thing that you went through is that you know that it wasn't necessarily like the best thing but actually it made you a much more resilient person yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anyone else, but 
It did help me to go and say it. I'm not mad that it happened. Yeah, and I completely understand that. And I think that's, it's a really good way of looking at it. Thank you. That's all right. No worries. Here to big everyone up. (laughs) (laughs) And so a question that I ask everyone is that, would you have a piece or do you have a piece of advice for either your younger self or alternatively, a younger person with the same disability as you? Ooh. I don't know, because I think the advice that I give myself might be different for everyone else. But... You, can, you can answer both. A lot of people tend to like give okay. a piece of advice to their younger self and then like a piece of advice to someone else. The advice that I probably would give myself would be to be more confident and to not get, to not worry so much about things mm-hmm. and to just like be who I am. Yeah. I probably took me a bit longer than what I would like to get to that point. But I think, it, I guess it could be the same for anyone else, kind of just get out there and not be afraid to be you and just live your life authentically. Yeah, yeah. and I think especially young disabled women don't necessarily get that option straight off the bat. Yeah, totally. Because you know we we still have a society that deems disability to be to be like bad or like or not good or it's not necessarily shown in the most positive of light so to almost like embrace yourself is like an act of rebellion yeah yeah and it definitely feels that way like when I was younger I did feel like being stable was almost like a taboo yeah. But I couldn't really talk about it. And have no, you found that growing up you're more able to talk about it? I think now I just don't care as much. So I just uh-huh. share what I want to share. Yeah. Whether it's taken or not, I don't really mind. Like I'm just sharing my life. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of not being afraid to just say, say it. But that that being said, I, I do feel like there are to some elements of my life that if I did talk about people would lose their mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the same for everyone, to be fair. I think if people knew what was going on inside my head sometimes, they'd be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and interestingly, I have like a particular set of questions that seem to really annoy me that when people ask them about my disability. And so for me, it tends to be, oh, did a shark bite your arm off? Or, or what happened? And I was wondering, do you have any questions that people have asked you or can ask you that you find just a bit intrusive or a bit annoying? Normally, I always say that I prefer when people ask questions, no matter how stupid or silly they are. Yeah. I'd rather they ask questions than judge me without knowing what they want to know. Uh-huh. Um, but... The ones that probably know more, like, ones that question my intelligence rather than... I feel like people think that because I'm stable, I must be, like, really stupid. Yeah. And they don't really want to get to know me or... It's more if also when people talk to my, my mum rather than me. So they'll say, they'll say like, oh, how is she? 
and my mum would be like, well, ask her. <laughs> like, so, yeah, probably those kind of questions that really annoy me. And I can, I can only imagine how infuriating that must be for you because it's not like you're not stood there. Yeah, it's really just p- p- annoying that they can't just ask me. And, and even if I did have a reply to that, they wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. It's still nice to ask the person rather than someone else. Yeah, exactly. And like that, and it goes back to that whole society thing and disabilities that disability is seen as like almost this other thing. Yeah. And that's like a horrible place to be in because I know that I've experienced it before where I've been like, I'm stood here right in front of you and you're talking Mm -hmm. about me as if I am not here and I can't hear you and there's nothing worse. Yeah, it's a very odd feeling. Yeah, for sure. And so with para riding, talk me through like the competition process. So how often are the competitions in the UK? Is it like monthly, yearly, like biannually? How does it all work? What is the structure like? So around the UK, there's probably at least one competition every day, depending on where you are in the country. But obviously you can't really travel by the hours or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of look at the schedule and you see what's closest to you and schedule in those. And then um, there's kind of a system so you have to get a certain amount of points to get this to then go to like the championships or the internationals. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be scheduled throughout the year to make sure that you've got your points to be able to qualify for the higher up competitions. I think it's so interesting that it's done on a point system. So you could like technically like, and this is, I absolutely know nothing about this. So say it was like 500 points to go to like internationals and you, you could technically like turn up at like three competitions and get all of your points then would, would that work? Yeah, technically that's the very little point that you need but in order to get the point, you have to get a certain score at your competition. Okay. So each competition, you're judged kind of out of 100%. Uh-huh. So each movement that you do, judge out of 10, and that adds up to a percentage. Mm-hmm. And then whatever percent bracket you get in, gives you a certain amount of points. Yeah. And I think the points are like two to seven points at a time. Uh-huh. And you might need like 15 or 20 to get to a certain event or I don't know it's all different to be honest and I, I still struggle to get my head around it all <laughs> but it's kind of yeah you've got to get a certain amount of points you could do it in one or, one or two competitions if you're good yeah yeah if you were like really good and you knew the dance floor pretty well you'd be fine yeah, yeah exactly and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but it's dressage that you do isn't it yeah, I do dressage, yeah. So is that when the horse has to, like, cross its hoofs? Like, yeah, almost but... like dance. That's how it is in my brain, is it? Like, the horse does, like, a little dance, and it's very elegant. <laughs> yeah, that's how I describe it. It's kind of like doing ballet, but on a horse. So, yeah, you do different movements, and then each movement is judged on how well you do it. Yeah. And so with that, I, I 
obviously massively assuming this, but you must have such a strong connection with your horse to be able to to do that type of movement with them. Yeah, it definitely helps. I feel like, well, for most of my career, I did it on horses that I borrowed and like my friend's horses or mm-hmm. horses I loaned because I didn't have one. Yeah. And you can do it that way. But when you have your own, it's a lot easier because they're able to train more frequently and you're on the same horse, so you're able to know what they're going to do and how they move and what cues to give when. And there's more of a bond, so you're able yeah. to ride the better. And and because you're like it was your physio that recommended you to do um like power riding, do you yeah. feel like power riding has been like almost like your anchor for like for like life? Yeah, definitely. I always say like if I didn't have horses, I didn't know I don't know what I'd be doing with my life. Like there wouldn't be anything to keep me going because horses are what keep me going. Yeah, and like. I think humans and horses have can have such strong and powerful relationships because you only have to really like look at any type of equine like sport to see that the rider and the horse share some kind of common bond. Now I'm not a horsey person, but I know that I know a lot of horsey people and they always seem to just absolutely adore the shit out of their horse and sometimes more than people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I love my horse so much. So, yeah, she's everything. And I love that because it just it just goes to show that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And like yeah, you're you're in your vibe. Yeah, she just makes me so happy so I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, and I love that. So my final question to you, Tegan, is would you be able to or would you or could you say or can you say that you are disabled and proud I can yeah yeah I'm very happy to be who I am and yeah I won't change it for the world and that's amazing because I think you've got such a brilliant career ahead of you with like your dressage and that I just I like I'm really excited to see what you do in the future thank you Yeah, and thank you so much for being on the pod today. I really enjoyed this chat. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.